Welcome back. I am Ollie from Pennsylvania. I'm Cinna from Ohio. And this is Backlist and Chill Season 7. We are talking about Holly Black. Yeah. So if you're new to Backlist and Chill, uh, welcome. We read a book and then we come and vent to each other while we drink. <laughs> so if you don't like alcohol, you should leave now. <laughs> yeah, because there is a lot of it. Mm. Sometimes too much. I tried really hard not to be a problem today. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thanks. I like mixed the absinthe and everything. Nice. Well, the absinthe is uh, appropriate this week, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm quite pleased with being able to do a little bit of green fairy for a fairy episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you check out my picture, it's very pretty. It is uh, very pretty. I'm going to talk about. Thank you. I'm going to talk about my drink, and then if you want to talk about your drink. Of course. Cool. So, here on Backlist and Chill, Ollie basically always drinks absinthe because that is my drink of choice. And pretty much every time it's the same fucking thing over and over again because we are still in a pandemic and I still don't feel like going to the alcohol store to get mixers. (laughs) That's fair. But this time, what I have is one quarter part absinthe because one third has been way too much (laughs) um, because I've been drinking big ass glasses. And I think I think that's been my problem too with the beyond the fact that I didn't mix the last couple of times mm-hmm. or whatever it was. All right. So one part absinthe, three parts I did Diet Canada dry ginger ale this mm-hmm. time because I was like, who needs the fucking calories from soda, right? <laughs> and then I put three blood red rose petals on top of it. Okay. The roses do absolutely bullshit nothing. Okay. <laughs> They're literally just there for show. I probably, if I would thought about it, and maybe the roses will still be in bloom when we um, do the next one, I probably could have made like rose water or some rose simple syrup or something like that and actually had some flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I'll do that next time. But I'm calling this a glass swamp. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I was so proud when I realized I could make something fancy this time, (laughs) even though it's literally the same thing again, but just like, here you go, glass swamp. And it's in my my cool little skull glass that that I I borrowed from my housemate. And it's delicious as always. Hooray. I'm glad. It sounds good. Also, a fuck ton of ice cubes. (laughs) Important. Yeah. I kind of like how like the rose petals sit on the top like the trash in the swamp. (laughs) That's great. That's great imagery. Yeah. What do you have, my friend? Uh, so I have a variation of, if you fucking Google, like, pixie or green pixie on the internet, you get, like, 40 bajillion different types of drinks, so I just made a variation on <laughs> one of them. All right, all right. I have sour apple schnapps, mm-hmm. vodka, triple sec, Sprite, and lots and lots of lemon juice, because the, the sour apple schnapps were not enough. It needed to be more sour. Uh, so yeah, I think it turned out really good. Uh, it, it tastes mostly like sour apple and lemon, and there's like a shit ton of vodka in it. Nice. I like that you did an, a sour apple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Considering a certain queen's eyes are that green apple color. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you know, Kay herself is green, so it seemed appropriate. Yep. Super appropriate. I love that. And so what do you call this variation? We'll, we'll call it a Kay Fierk? Fierch? Fierch? I don't know how you're supposed Fierch. to pronounce her last name. I was saying Fierch, but I had the same problem of like, I don't know. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> which which consonants are hard? I don't know. It's like almost K-Fierce, but Fierce. Right? And it's the spelling of it makes it seem like it should be Irish, and you can never fucking tell with Irish, so... Right? It might be, it might be like, Fierg? Yeah, right, exactly. It might be, Flugh. who knows? Ugh, oh, my heritage. <laughs> so how did the drink, how did your K-Fierce turn out? It's very good. Well, I am very glad. Are we ready for the blurb? Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear what this blurb is because I don't know that I've ever read it. Let's do it. All right. So to be clear, I'm reading the Goodreads blurb because I have the omnibus. Were you reading an omnibus or the individual ones? Um. So I have an individual one, but I was also reading from the omnibus because that's the only one that my library had an ebook form. So. Okay. Totally fair. So, Tithe by Holly Black. Welcome to the realm of very scary fairies. 16-year-old Kay is a modern nomad. Fierce and independent, she travels from city to city with her mother's rock band until an ominous attack forces Kay back to her childhood home. There, amid the industrial blue-collar New Jersey backdrop, Kay soon finds herself an unwilling pawn in an ancient power struggle between two rival fairy kingdoms. A struggle that could very well mean her death. <laughs> that's it. That's the blurb. Yeah. Accurate. Right? Like, that's all true. And it sets up the story pretty well, I think. I'm glad I didn't read it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Spoilers. <laughs> like, it was definitely good going in being like, I have no idea. Fairies, I guess. All right, so I have the Omnibus, which has Tithe, Valiant, and Ironside in it. And this is, it's like that nice, satiny, smooth kind of cover where it's its matte, but it, it doesn't feel textured. It's just like smooth. And I don't normally go for such a crisp title, uh, a crisp cover. Every now and then people make really good ones. Like, I remember the Shadow Queen cover was really good with, like, the black apple. Like, that was great. But this is, like, it's very clean, crisp colors where the background is all white and you have this sword where you just see, like, the hilt at the bottom and then the, the sword going straight up the middle. And it looks like some kind of moth, some kind of blue, green, teal, and white moth has like alighted on the sword and is just sort of sitting there and its wings are spread. It's very, very beautiful. Then there is the titles over that. So it just sort of looks like it's been like shown up on your TV screen, like boom, the modern fairy tales. And it's in a, it's in a fun font. It has a kind of old look to it, a little sharpness where like, I really want people to check this out because like the H in the where like one side of the H is lower than the T and one side's a little higher. It kind of has a real like thorny look to it without being specifically thorns, which is such a hard thing to pull off in in like a fairy tale font because usually it's just like clearly thorns. That's cool. I love it. I love that imagery. Uh, so anyway, the modern fairy tales right down the middle and at the top next to the is tithe, valiant, ironside. Then down at the bottom... We've got, in smaller font, number one New York Times bestselling author. Slightly bigger, but not as big as the modern fairy tales. Modern fairy tales is much more important this time. Holly Black. 
And there's a new short story inside. I'll probably read that once we finish all three since it's at the very end. And uh, the back is the same kind of satiny finish, but it's black. And I'm not going to read the blurb, but in the corners up at the top, and I can take a picture, there's just this little hint of trailing vines with with green leaves on it. So the back is very white, gold, and green. And then the front is like more of the, the blue and the black with the white behind it, obviously. So yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. And the funny thing is, is when I purchased this one, again, on Amazon, later, I think you sent me an image and I was like, oh shit, I like that cover even better. <laughs> But it was like basically almost the same one. I think maybe there was just maybe more ironwork or vinage or something on the sides. And it kind of had like purple with its blues and greens and teals. Yeah. I don't know. They do so many fucking covers. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's a beast and doesn't smell like anything. Oh, no. (sighs) But I feel like the paper, the the pulp of it, I feel like it's going to age okay. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. So this was printed in... 2019 so it's only two years old it doesn't have the what were we reading something smelled just like nothing where it's just like emptiness and water this at least has like porousness and texture here listen yeah paper it's good (laughs) (laughs) so that's my journey with this big ass fucking chonky boy i love that it it is so chunky. Is it is it readable? Like that's my problem with omnibuses is that they're so big that like they're so heavy to hold and it's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. I do wish that I had three books mm-hmm. because especially as I got to like the halfway point on this, I was very worried. Like I know some people are like, ah, whatever, they're books, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but you see, I don't like my shit getting ruined. <laughs> And I was so worried I was going to, like, crack the spine. And I'm still worried. Like, I'm worried that I'm going to crack the spine somewhere in the middle um, of the next book. But, like, trying to read halfway through was tough. It got easier as I got further in. But just, it's so new. I'm definitely worried that I'm going to, like, destroy this book. And I just, I don't know. I hate the way it looks. Some people like it when it gets all cracky and... Mm -hmm. I don't know, just like weathered and whatever. But I'm like, no, it's such a pretty book. I don't want anyone to know it's ever been read. <laughs> right. So I do not recommend getting an omnibus if you're like trying to read it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, exactly. I just, I don't know. It's really nice. It's a really nice book. They did a good job with it, but pain in the ass. Very heavy. 785 motherfucking pages. Woof. But that's three books, but still, it's, it's a chonker. <laughs> I really like your cover. I think it's very nice. It matches nicely with the Folk of the Air series. Like, it's it's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to our later seasons when I can add to this collection with everything matching. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you for making one series match. Holly Black's <laughs> publishers still salty about the White Cat series, and I will be forever. But that's only three books. How did they do that? They couldn't keep it together. Two books looked amazing, and then they redesigned the whole series for the third one. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't think they understand the ways in which that really does affect your sales sometimes. Like, maybe not hugely, but I've definitely, like, looked at series and been like, 
I don't know if I can buy you. Right? It took me forever to invest in the books because I was so mad that they wouldn't match. Anyway. (sighs) Reader problems. I know. It's so funny, too, because they know this is a problem. And I feel like they do it specifically to get people to buy the same books over again. It's like, fuck you. Especially if you're like, but your first version was better. And they are. Ugh, so mad about it. Anyway. (laughs) Ready to talk about the plot? Yes. Okay. Let's, well, first, Ollie. Yeah. What are your overall feelings about this book? I'm so curious. It's your first Holly Black. What did you think? Okay. When I first started reading it, it it took me a very long time to decide to read this. I was really nervous to read these books, uh, to read this book, because I was like, oh, God, there's so much, like, internally riding on how I feel about these books. Like, I I like Holly Black as a person. So I was like, what if I don't like the books? Ah." But I read the prologue and fucking loved her writing. Oh my God. Like, I have been marveling for the past couple of days. So so I had intended to start reading this on like Saturday or Sunday. It's Saturday again now. But I didn't start reading until like Wednesday. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. I just was like, ah! everything was going wrong in my life and also i was just like starting a new thing no (laughs) but her writing is so fucking good and so i've been marveling over the idea that like i i think annette curtis klaus may have been the the last person which was also season one Mm -hmm. that we read where i was like oh my god your writing is good Mm -hmm. i like to read what you are putting on the pages Mm -hmm. it's not just like oh it's fun i'll read the thing like fuck it was awesome. But I read the prologue and I was like, it's so late. If I start reading this, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> so I put it down. And then like I read the opening chapter where like she interacts with Kenny and things like that. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. Like as the book goes along, I'm like there sure is a lot of sexual assault and internalized uh, like guilt on that in here. And so like heads up readers uh i know you're gonna get fucked in the spoilers but content warning sexual assault and the girl kind of thinking it's her her fault so i was like i don't know how to feel about it Mm -hmm. but ultimately that didn't ruin my opinion of the whole thing it was just a thing that i was like okay it exists in this world that these things would happen these bad things Mm -hmm. uh yeah but overall i fucking loved it i loved her writing right through to the end yes and i think i made a comment to you that it feels so familiar. Okay. Just the setup. Like, in the blurb, it talked about, like, blue-collar New Jersey and things like that. And it's like, yes, but also blue-collar kind of everywhere else I have lived. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I've been corny with the fucking backseat filled with random trash bags and empty soda bottles. And I've had friends who, you know, lived in the trailers, um, in the trailer parks and things like that. I've had people who did the the band thing and they would complain about everybody else being not as talented, mm-hmm. uh, who was more successful than them. Been the the kids whose like fucking tights run on everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, these are the people that I know. These are the people I've been and it just felt so real. And couple that with like la 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 she's talking about long branch new jersey i know all about the fire that happened that burned down that haunted house because i am a haunter and i know the history of haunted houses burning down (laughs) that's so cool 
Yeah. So it was amazing. I loved, I loved it. There were so many times reading this book where I was like, does Ollie know what she's talking about right now? Like, is this real? Is this familiar to Ollie? Yeah. I had friends who went to Monmouth Community College and things like that. So there was like a mention later on of like a girl had been kidnapped from Monmouth. And I'm like, I know where that is. (laughs) I've been through there. And like they mentioned like other places and I'm like, is this Wildwood? I'm like, oh, no, this isn't Wildwood because of the time period. Yeah. Oh, this is this is Long Long Branch. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) I know this place. It was super fun to have that oh the fucking quick check that like she stops at to get coffee for her and corny before she goes over to the gas station i'm like quick check ah (laughs) (laughs) like all she had to do is fucking hit up aritas for some ice cream and everything would have been golden (laughs) that's so funny so like definitely if you're from new jersey this will feel extremely familiar like they start out in philadelphia and the way she was discussing, like, the city smells of trash and iron and things like that. And I'm like, I know where you are. <laughs> Beyond that, like, the city smells like iron because of spoilers. But, like, I just, I had this really strong image in my head of, like, what fucking dive bar they could have been in in the opening. Yes. It's, just, it's, it's fun. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you liked it. I did. I did. I really liked it. And I look forward to the next one. And I, like, didn't. I didn't want to stop. And I'm like, ah, oh, will everyone be out of the house again next weekend? Yeah, <laughs> right. <nice. laughs> Can we just keep reading these? Right. That would be excellent. So that is where where I am with those. Uh, I will ask you, since we're, you know, asking these questions, mm-hmm. how was your reread? When was, the, when was the last time you read this? Um, The last time I read this one was the first time I read it, which I checked my Goodreads and apparently it was like, 2011 2012 so it's been quite a while okay and it was at that point 10 years old yes so this came out in 2002 just for anybody who's playing along at home yes yeah i know i really enjoyed it again it was another one of those where i didn't want to stop reading i actually considered buying the newer books so that i could keep reading holly black and i I wouldn't (laughs) have to stop but i wouldn't skip to our next book like oh yeah i I didn't feel it as much as I felt it the first time because I remember just being so, so blown away by how evocative and like really like feeling every scene and really being able to picture it. And I don't know if that was because I've had a really stressful week and I was really distracted while I was reading it or if it's just there's something about like reading an actual book, right, where I was reading on my phone. So I didn't have that sort of almost like physical experience the way I did the first time that I read That's, it. That is interesting. I do wonder how it would be if you had read the paper. I don't know. I think it was just the headspace that I was in personally this week. That's but it fair. was still it was still a nice escape. Awesome. I think as well that this book does a really good job of being like solidly settled in fairy. Yes. She does a very good job of letting the protagonist be our window into this world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sitting here going, I'm like, don't fucking trust anybody, you child. <laughs> but, you know, going with going with the flow of it. And, you know, I'd guessed a whole bunch of this stuff early on, but that was fine because mm-hmm. I was there for the ride. But letting us believe what Kay believed, where she felt one way about certain groups and then having it be like, well, no, because they're fucking fairies. So mm-hmm. why did I fucking trust them? I was like, exactly. 
<laughs> yes, yes. So definitely a really good job of being like, yeah, that's the way to do it. None of this like, but secretly we're all good. No, secretly they're all a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Nope, they all suck. Yeah. So I appreciated the hell out of that. Yeah, no, it's a really nice, like the book takes several turns that you don't necessarily expect and absolutely letting Kay believe stuff that is not true and not feeling the need to like tip her hand, right? Like, oh, yeah, Kay, maybe Kay is mistaken. Like, no, you believe that uh, this certain thing is true because why would it not be true? It would be true in a different book. Right? It's always been this way, and therefore, you know, these people are good. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, Like, in another book, has like, I feel like half the shit wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So that was, that was cool. There's stuff that when we get to it, I will mention where it's like, I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I expected, like, half of the stuff. I was <laughs> like, yeah, okay, this seems, you know, normal, normal fairy tale stuff. But some of it, I was like, oh, shit, we went there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try to be super simple on this. Mm-hmm. Kay Fierch is our protagonist. Through means that we learn are trickery, she's brought back home, which is never said, but it's Long Branch, New Jersey. And she's brought there to kind of fulfill someone else's plot to take over a different court. All right. We find that Kay is actually a changeling. Fuck yes. And that the whole idea is to have the unseely queen, uh, Nick Nevin, to have her murder Kay as the tithe to the solitary fairies, the ones who are not connected to any court. So that they'll be like, what? You murdered a fairy? This is bullshit and you didn't kill a mortal, which is what you're supposed to do for us. And so we are free for seven years, which I liked as a kind of Tamlin reference of, and after seven years, we'll pay a tithe to hell. So that's always fun. So... Needless to say, it doesn't go uh, according to plan because she finds out that she is, in fact, a fairy. Plot happens. She meets a Seely Knight, Roybin. She meets her old friends again, some of the solitary fae. And uh, things go horribly wrong. But in the end, it's all okay. That's it. That's my that's my sum up of the plot because I'm too drunk, apparently. Oh, okay. I feel like I didn't explain anything. <laughs> no, you you did, like, the first half of the book. I mean... All right, wait, other stuff that happened in the course of this. She becomes friends with her friend Janet's older brother, Corny, who is so casually gay and nerdy in this book Mm -hmm. that I thought I was going to (laughs) die because it was so good. And he ends up as the pet plaything courtesan of an unseelie knight. And some of the plot is involved to try to get him back when he gets stuck under the hill. And... I, I feel like things don't end on a great note for Corny, but they also don't end on the worst note. Mm-hmm. So he's okay, kind of, but mm-hmm. not mentally. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you got to fill in on that super bad plot recap? I thought I could do it. It was it was great. It was great. You did great. The The only thing that I would add, and it ends with uh, Robin taking the the vacant unseely throne. Oh, right, because he murders the Seely Queen. Yes, he murders the Seely Queen to save Kay. And the unseelie knight temporarily takes it, and then Kay murders that guy. Nephemel? Yes, Nephemel. <laughs> she poisons him with iron. It was super good. It's so good. I love it. Yes, she. Oh, and he's the one. He's the one that's like trapped, corny Cornelius. Yeah, he's he's the abusive boyfriend. Yeah, he is. 
he she poisons him and makes an opening for Robin to take the throne, which he does, even though he has the opportunity to go back and serve the Seelie Queen, who he previously served and loved, and uh, he chooses not to. And Kay is sort of left in a place where like the outlook is good for her, but there's not really any resolution as to like what may happen going forward. Yeah. That is like, okay, you're not murdered and Robin, is that how we're gonna pronounce it? Robin yeah. is the king, so he's like tried to gather the unseelie and the solitary together where he's like, you know what, I don't care what you fucking do on Halloween, have fun. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much because like the thing that happens in the middle of book, right? Like the the sort of middle act, even though this book is really strangely paced. Um, I think that's one of its issues is the pacing is a little weird. Yeah, I did. F- I, I thought it was getting to be over at about 200 pages, but then there was still like 50 or 60 more pages. And I was like, what are we going to do? Right, exactly. <laughs> it feels like a climax. And you're like, wait, the book is still going? Like, I that's fine. I love it. But what? what? Yeah, which was, of course, part of the problem with the last series we were reading where it was like, why are we at the end? <laughs> right. But in this case, it was a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so like halfway through the book, Robin kills Nick Nevin, and that sort of frees the solitary fae to just go do whatever the fuck they want. Which were Kay's friends, some of them, which is how she even decided she would play along with this fucking ruse. Yep. And uh, they end up, like, murdering just fucking tons of people because Kay helped them, you know? Yeah. The humans. They murder humans. Yes. Yeah, the solitary fae were just like, wahaha, what do we fucking care about? Right. And I, I love it because it's 100% like Kay's fault. Like, obviously she was duped, but like, th- those are consequences, dude. Oh, yeah. They were talking about like children and babies being like kidnapped from their strollers and mm-hmm. their cribs. Like I said, there was a girl who was uh, kidnapped from her college campus in Monmouth County and like, she was returned later. I don't remember the specifics, but it, like to me, it felt like she was returned later. Oh, oh, she had been forced to answer riddles to avoid torture. Like, that doesn't say you got all of them right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And um, some dude was torn apart, but his dog was fine and still attached to his like leash. And they were saying a bear was on the loose mm-hmm. and like just super dark shit. Did not see that coming. Yeah, it's great because, like you said, you think that the book is ending because, like, Kay is literally up on an altar. She's about to be murdered. She has to think fast to find a way to get herself out of it. And she does. And then the book keeps going. And you're like, what? Consequences? In in my YA? Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Right? I love it. So, yeah, that that was the only thing. At the end of it, Robin is now the king of the Unseelie Court. Um, and Kay is the girl that he flirts with. Like, <laughs> it's it's sort of implied that they are going to continue to, like, date or something. But, like, there's no, like, promise ceremony or anything. She's not, like, the queen. They're just yeah. flirting. I was so glad for that. Robin is a big, strong boy, and he can run the Unseelie Court exactly how he wants. Yes. And I, I loved his stuff that he was going through. Yeah, because we ever got perspective from him and also from corny yes which i'm not a huge fan of when the perspective shifts like pretty far into the book i feel like you need to set that precedent up front and it takes a while before the perspective shifts to like robin and then corny so i think it switched to corny early on and i thought they were setting him up to be a bad guy really interesting 
So it's in chapter one that we get our first corny perspective. It's after she is like touched sexually by Kenny, her her friend Janet's boyfriend. It switches over to Cornelius Stone picked up a new box of computer crap and hauled it to his bedroom. Oh, that's right. That's on page 20, which is still kind of like far in. We've only had 20 pages of, well, I guess it's not 20 pages. That's the, the page count. Uh, so from page seven to page 20 is all Kay's perspective, but like it mm-hmm. is before chapter two. I guess it wasn't that that surprised me. It was the swapped Robin that surprised me. Yeah. Because that doesn't happen until pretty far into the book. <laughs> until you've like met him. <laughs> right. Which also doesn't happen until pretty far into the book. Yeah. I don't even think we get switched to his point of view when we meet him either. I think it's like later, maybe the second time we meet him. I can't, I can't remember. It, the first time it switches to his perspective is when he sees Kay become like the tithe. Oh, shit. Yeah. And that's definitely more than halfway through. Yeah. Like, it's super far. Like, I don't mind it because I, I enjoyed those sequences and I liked seeing things from his perspective. But also, it's just like, man, you really fucking held this card for a while. <laughs> we could have seen anything from his perspective before now. <laughs> yeah. Right. It just kind of feels like cheating. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe in another time I'd be more mad about it, but I, having come off of some of the things that we've come (laughs) off of recently, I'm very glad for Kay to not, like, magically have television powers (laughs) to show us what's happening elsewhere. I'm glad to just fucking switch perspective. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm not mad at it either. I just, you know, it's one of those things where you go, oh, this is this is weird. But like, the book is good. So I don't you needed care. a thing. And so you brought this in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, one of the things that I was super jazzed about reading this again was just the way that this very fairy tale story, right? Like, cause like Kay discovers she's a changeling. She finds a fairy knight. She saves his life. He falls in love with her. Like it's all very fairy tale, but the modern part of it is, is very prominent too, right? Because like Kay is a high school dropout. She shoplifts. The fairies live in a fucking creek filled with broken bottles in the back of her house. The, and a cemetery, just some random city cemetery, you know, like it all Mm -hmm. feels like such a an urban update some of them have cell phones yeah 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 you know corny the the boy who gets abducted by his fairy prince like he is gay he lives in a trailer he works at a gas station like he likes manga yeah he likes he likes bl manga like it's very you know it's so specific (laughs) he likes bishy boys oh my god his mom who's like never on screen i don't even think is an old school hardcore trekkie yes who likes kirk spock slash and i was telling you i'm like i bet she fucking wrote it you were commenting (laughs) about how like that's not you know fanfiction.net that's like the zines that's like yeah i bet mom fucking mails the zines that she got to the next person on the list after she's finished reading them right like (laughs) she has pillows of fucking needlework (laughs) (laughs) the fucking live long and prosper on it it just feels so niche you know like you said they've everybody feels so familiar like this is so recognizable yeah, I didn't know anyone's mom who in the year. So this was probably written in the late 90s and then like it came out in 2002. So, you know, like she probably got her contract somewhere around like 99, 2000. Um I was a super big nerd, but I didn't know anyone's mom who was a super big nerd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like that was 
far less common. Nowadays, people's parents are nerds. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if this is the kind of book that people read and were like, oh, I can grow up and be a nerd. Right. And the specifics of this are so interesting. Like, Corny's mom feels like a real person. Like I love, too, that that was, like, how he came out, where he's like, Mom, you understand the forbidden love that Spock has for Kirk, <laughs> so you'll get that I'm gay. Yeah, right? <laughs> and apparently his mom was totally cool with it. She's like, oh, yes, yeah. I do understand that. Live long and prosper, son. When you put son. it that way, when you appeal to my nerdiness, <laughs> I understand. The comment about it being specific is, I think, part of what was really good for me with this this particular book and hopefully the rest of the series too is that again because i know the areas because the the nerdiness is so specific it doesn't feel like someone's just making up some anime someone's making up some sci-fi thing that's like wink and nod actually i'm talking about star trek they're just like no mm-hmm. fuck it fucking kirk and spock the end i've chosen this mm-hmm. thing and not being afraid to settle it solidly in our world yeah I think it needed that, honestly, to to be so very specifically just kind of a blue collar near like poverty line so that when we got to the weird shit, it just settled on top of it. And I liked that. Yeah, it's part of what brings the writing to life, right? Because like Mm -hmm. everything, like you said, feels like something that you would know. There's a line that Kay has when Robin is spending the night with her. She says she sees him like put his foot on a library book that she always meant to return. And just like lines like that where I'm just like, I can see this very specific thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, fuck you. You're so good at this game. What the shit? I know. Dude, this is what I'm saying. Like, Holly Black is so good. It's unfair. God, I wish I could write with this casualness. Right. And it's so atmospheric like i remember the first time i read this reading the scene where Kay uh sits on the broken merry-go-round horse and then like (gasps) magics it to life which is one of the early scenes too right and you're just like seeing it you're seeing this grungy warehouse with like this shimmery like sparkly fairy magic and it's just so fucking viscerally good that whole lead up to with the merry-go-round house that they're in that her and janet head off to to hang out with the boys you know like it's one of the first scenes and she's crawling in there and i'm like kid are you gonna do anything about the glass but then it it mentions it it mentions that there's still a little bit of glass and you know it causes a run in her tights and i'm like oh my god (laughs) in my head (laughs) all the shit that i would call people out on in like beta editing or just regular editing being Mm -hmm. like "Mm, might want to mention something about the class here (laughs) like no holly black's on top of it yeah yeah she's got you uh there's a scene later on where Kay mentions like because her oh god i fucking love Kay's relationship with her mom like so much yes holy shit please continue um because they are so set up from the beginning to be like a bad mom and daughter right because like a mom who lets her daughter drop out of school to work full-time and lets her daughter smoke and drink and stuff would be just be like the worst mom in the world like what a trash trash person yeah and Kay would have the opinion of like why didn't my mom ever push me why did my mom let me smoke cigarettes (laughs) right it would be like um esme and vivian right where vivian has that like judgmentalness of like oh my mm. mom fucked off to be with men and left me to raise myself kind of thing yeah but holly black doesn't have that judgment and just 
like, obviously there are flaws in this relationship, right? Because, like... I'm not saying it's the best. Right. Like, Kay's mom probably should have made her go to school, probably should have made different choices, like, obviously. But Holly Black doesn't have that judgment of, like, that makes Kay's mom a shitty, shitty McShit person. And they still love each other. Yeah, there's, there's a whole scene where the mom is just super defending not her choices, but Kay's ability to make her own choices mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the grandmother that they like move back to Long Branch to uh be there. You know, like that's where they're staying mm-hmm. since they left um Philly. Where the mom is just like, I want her to have the life that I'm I'm probably paraphrasing, but like she wants her to have the life that she wants to have. She doesn't want to force her to do anything. And mm-hmm. it's like probably like you said, probably should have been like, no child, you do have to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> but the mom is never defending herself Mm -hmm. and her choice to let Kay make her choices Mm -hmm. she's only defending that Kay has the right to make her own choices right and that Kay is not a waste of a person the way that the grandmother kind of like yeah there's empathy for the grandmother too right because obviously like this woman sees like how hard her daughter's life has been and doesn't want that for Kay like you get it yeah but, you know, like, the, the implication of the grandmother is, like, look at your daughter going out at all hours to, like, fuck boys or whatever. Like, how terrible, like, a, a child that makes her. And Kay's mom is there to be like, actually, even if that is what she's doing, it is fine. Yeah. There's just layers to this relationship that is like, you probably need therapy, the two of you, together. <laughs> but not about your relationship. Mm-hmm. It's weird because she's kind of more like a sister, but whenever anyone else tries to parent her, she's just like, I'm the mom and I decide that you get to decide. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like her mom, like, it's not like she's trying to be a cool mom. You know, I want to be your friend. It's like, no, I'm your mom and this is just how I chose to raise you. Yeah. And like, fucking A, look at it. The girl did did fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dude. That's what's so good about it because, like, the, so we talk a lot about books failing in, like, a moral sense, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I don't want every book to be, like, super didactic, like, a fucking, like, Christian fiction kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I don't want books to be people can only do and only make, like, right choices, right? But, like, yeah. framing is so important. And I feel like Holly Black really nails her framing here. In that you have Kay making questionable choices sometimes. You have Kay's mom making questionable choices. You have Kay's grandmother, Robin, Corny, Janet. Like, nobody is perfect and nobody makes great choices 100% of the time. But the narrative really balances not judging them for those choices, but also being like... That they, she probably shouldn't have done that, right? Like, it just really <laughs> threads that needle of, like, letting these characters be flawed people, but not like, oh, but it's super cool to be, like, this super shitty flawed person, right? Because Kay's not a shitty person. And I think that's also part of it, too. Like, so when we talked about Vivian in Blood and Chocolate and how much we love her, she's not a shitty person. Mm-mm. You know, then we, we read other things and it's like, you look at like Jessica from Demon in My View and you're like, you're a shitty fucking person. <laughs> right. Elena. Elena fucking Gilbert. Oh, Elena fucking Gilbert. You're a shitty fucking person. Mm-hmm. Like there are people in these in these books that we have read and you're just like, I wouldn't want to fucking deal with you. You're a pain in the ass. You don't care about anyone. And you're getting people hurt. Mm-hmm. Kay is only trying to like live her life, figure out what she wants to do with herself, 
wishing that she had goals, but it's just like, I don't know even how, where to start. Mm -hmm. And then once people that she cares about are in trouble, she cares about that. Mm -hmm. She cares about them. And she does everything she can to, like, help them, even if it's, like, just because you're the protagonist doesn't mean that you can solve everything. Right, yeah. And it's such a huge difference to be, like, you're a person who makes choices, and some of them aren't correct, ultimately, mm-hmm. but you still fucking made them, and you live by them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you really hit it on the head with being, like, you know, Jessica, Elena, characters who were extremely shitty but like framed as being cool or the protagonist. And and this book is like, you know, Kay has empathy for people. Like Kay makes bad choices, but she does, she cares about people. I think that's the most important thing. Kay fucking cares about people in a way that, you know, Jessica and Elena don't feel like they do, right? Yeah, because they only feel like they care about themselves where Kay is like, I don't care what other people think about me. Mm Mm-hmm. But I care about other people. Right. That's what drives Kay for so much of this book is like wanting to help her fairy friends, wanting to help Robin, wanting to help Corny, wanting to help Janet. Janet, Corny. That's what keeps dragging her back into the plot is her trying to save people. Absolutely. There's one great moment where she's being told by the Thistle Witch about what's going on and Spike and Ludie Lou are there and she's like, well, of course I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would I would absolutely help you. I you won't put me in danger. I believe in you. We've been friends for a very long time. Like there's not a moment of like why are you doing this? Why do you need me? She's just like fuck, I can help. I'll help. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And it caught me so off guard because I'm I guess naturally suspicious <laughs> <laughs> um of fairies. So <laughs> I love that same of fairies. Not everybody, fairies. just fairies. It's everybody. Uh, people actually always tell me they're like they're like you're too trusting i'm like it's not true i do like to believe people when they tell me things and like i will give people a chance to prove me wrong and then i will not believe them uh but like any fairies in a book i'm like i don't know it's just like i believe you and i'm like wow weird well and you know why right because like they're her childhood friends like she still sees them with like this childhood trust of like oh they would never hurt me and also they're good people because it's like (laughs) because we hung out as kid you know it reminds me of that line in uh natasha and pierre where she's like i love him and because i love him that means he's kind and honorable it's like how else could i be holding his letter (laughs) (laughs) right and Kay's like oh well we're friends so that must mean that they're good people and they would never hurt yeah. anybody else. They didn't hurt me before and therefore they won't hurt me or anyone else. Right. Or any other human. And then she finds out that no, that is not in fact true. Like they may not. You know, and, and it starts too with them being like, they sent her a little note being like, don't talk to the Black Knight, Robin. Uh, he killed one of the three friends that, that she had. And so she's instantly like distrustful of Robin mm-hmm. and is like, oh no, my friend has died. Obviously I care about and want to protect my two remaining friends. Yeah. And as we've discussed, like that gets switched around on her, right? Because like, oh no, it turns out your friends are actually doing shitty things, buddy. <laughs> There's that scene where she, I think it's while she's talking to the Thistle Witch with um, Spike and Ludie Lou. And she says something like, like, won't people get hurt? And Spike is like, so what? You know, they're humans. I don't care about that. 
Yeah, he really sets up his feelings on it. Right. And she's so taken aback because she just assumed that he cared about humans because he cared about her. But then she's like, oh, right. I'm not a human. Like, I'm a fairy. So that doesn't count, you know? And towards the end, she thinks about how Ludi doesn't like mortal girls. And she's like, fuck, if I had ever paused to think about it, mm-hmm. I would have thought, but why do you like me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and put it together that maybe I am not a mortal girl. <laughs> right. You know, I, I'm just the exceptional human <laughs> to them. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the sight. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's so good just the way that it plays with Kay's trusting nature and it pulls the rug out from under her. And therefore us. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, as readers, we're like, oh, yeah, they, they were friends with Kay when she was a child. They must be the good guys. <laughs> I know. I was so shocked. So just fucking pleased. Like, just like <laughs> delighted down to my bones by it. <laughs> I remember you were like saying that that like Holly Black's writing and stuff like you you really reminds you of me and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I am pleased to say I am not offended. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yay. Clap, 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 clap. I'm glad. <laughs> like, honestly, I was reading it and I think I got through like the prologue and the first five chapters and I was so mad <laughs> that I had never read these books before. <laughs> It's like, how? How did I not? And like, I get it. It's because they came out in 2002 and like, I had so much fucking shit going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the time I was working on the magazine, she had other stuff out. Mm -hmm. But very glad that we're reading them now. Yes. My two friends who are my actual friends like each other now. And (laughs) that makes me feel good. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I love the, the idea that like, all the fairies kind of suck. (laughs) even robin is like super morally compromised because he's been ordered to kill a bunch of people and like that's not great yeah the um there was some agreement and it seems like it wasn't too long ago Mm -hmm. but some agreement where the seely queen and the unseely queen decided not to fucking murder you know each other's courts and they sent their favorite or best knights to each other. Mm-hmm. So Nefamel, if I'm saying that correctly, the one who, who takes Corny as his little pet, got sent to the Seely Queen. And Robin got sent to McNevin, the Unseely Queen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, neither of those knights appreciated that. Nope. <laughs> no, they did not. Did not like it. And that's part of it, right? Because Robin is... The Seely Knight, you know, the Seely being like the good fae, finger quotes, right? And just the idea that, you know, at the end of this book, you're like, oh, the Unseely Queen is here. The Seely Queen. Yeah, like they're going to restore order and stuff. And then she just strolls in and she's like, oh, no, I engineered like this murder. I was totally cool with killing Kay. I was totally cool with abandoning Robin to like the years of torment. Like, But what I love is that she's like, Kay starts being like, oh, it was you. She's like fucking shocked Pikachu about it. And the queen's just like, shut your fucking mouth. She's like, I don't have to fucking listen to you. <laughs> I know. I know. Kay's like lack of deference to these fucking Fae is so delightful. Amazing. And I love Robin's like, no, no, no. I want to hear her out. I want to know what she knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's here to fucking drag Nephael and Nick Nevin and fucking Robin himself. (laughs) Like, one of her first encounters with him, actually, maybe the first encounter after saving his life, she, like, 
gets his name, his full full name, which I like. I feel weird knowing this guy's name. Like I'm like, <gasps> we're not supposed to know his name. <laughs> but like, she gets his full name, and I'm not even gonna say it out loud because that feels dangerous. <laughs> and she's like, okay, full name. Well, you can kiss my ass, and like he has to fucking kiss her ass, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. literally. And it's just like she's here to tell you to kiss her ass, and if she knows your name, you'll have to do it. Yeah, no, and it, it's such a great scene because, like, there's so many things going on, right? Because, like, uh, you know, we're learning, theoretically, if you don't know anything about folklore, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, we're learning about, like, the power of true names, right? Kay is learning about the power of true names, but also, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of an assault and, like, she's really traumatized by it and she cries afterwards and, like, another girl is like, oh, yeah, yeah I also had an abusive boyfriend. So, like, it's not dismissed it's a really shocking thing for Kay, and the book acknowledges that right because he doesn't just like go around and like smooch kiss her butt Mm -mm. he like throws her on the ground pulls her pants down a couple inches and like kisses her hip Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like you're in the middle of a fucking diner yeah and she's like humiliated and shocked and and you know everybody like consoles her and it's it's this thing they're not like who is the hot guy who like kissed your butt yeah Right. But also like you used his name and he had to do it. And like you you realize again, it's like consequences, right? Like the power that she has. Oh, right. Speaking of, uh, I'm sure we're getting distracted, but uh, the the power she has over, Uh over Kenny. Yes. So in that really beautiful scene where she's like up in the one of the storage rooms or something at the merry go round house and she finds the horse and she magics it kind of alive. A mortal boy, her her best friend's boyfriend, sees her do this and becomes enchanted mm-hmm. uh, with her. And so even though he touches her sexually in a way that she didn't want, he's doing it under, like, fucking sex pollen compulsion. Mm-hmm. He didn't choose to do it. Like, it's so gray. Mm-hmm. 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 And she has this power over him where she's enchanted him and she's like, I don't know what to do. This boy isn't sleeping. He isn't eating. He only talks about her. Mm-hmm. He calls her so many times when he doesn't see her. And he's like, I have to see you. I have to see you. And so at the diner before Robin shows up, he like goes to the bathroom and like encourages her to follow him. And so he like pushes her against a wall and starts kissing her. And at first she's like, I don't know, but maybe it's nice. It is kind of nice to have a guy like me. Mm-hmm. But, like, she didn't want this. He didn't want this. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and that's what's so good about it, right? Like you said, it is so great because, like, Kay eventually realizes, like, like, yeah, this is a magical compulsion. Like, he doesn't want this, but Kay also likes it because she's been a weird outsider for her whole life. So the idea that, like, this super hot and desirable guy wants her and wants to kiss her. Everybody else wants Kenny. Right. And, like, it feels good. And so she really has this struggle of, like, oh, this is my best friend's boyfriend. I shouldn't be doing this. But also, like, mm, it does feel good when he kisses me. So... There's a really gorgeous line, and I, I'm, I can't quote it exactly because, again, I don't have it. Like, after she removes it, where she's like, I don't want to think about what it feels like to kiss a boy who everyone else wants to kiss or something. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm, I'm going to look it up. But anyway, keep talking. Well, yeah. And then that scene itself where, like, she goes to Kenny and she's, like, finally sort of embracing and realizing her fainness, right? And she sort of intends to release him from the compulsion. But before she does, she's like, mm, 
this makes me feel really powerful. So why don't you get on your knees and like beg? What would you do? Would you do anything for me? And he's like, yes, anything. And she's just like, are you besotted with me? Yeah. And she's so revels in it, right? Just like the power that she has over him that she's never had before. And this boy did nothing to her otherwise. Right. Before she enchanted him. No, but she she's embracing these powers that she has and she's really like putting him through the ringer and then she realizes what she's doing and she's like, oh, this is shitty. Like this thing that I'm doing to him is really shitty and she stops. Yeah, it, it's like this moment where she's embracing being Faye and then she goes, no, do not want. <laughs> so I found the, the line mm-hmm. and it was. She had no desire to play pretend anymore, no need to prove her worth by Kenny's regard, no desire to know how different the lips of a boy everyone liked were from any other boy. It's good. It really is. It's so good. I love that Kay is allowed to be so many things, right? Like she's allowed to sexually want her best friend's boyfriend and, you know, all of the (laughs) shittiness that's in there, right? Yeah. And then there's a great line after Janet finds her kissing Kenny at the cafe and that whole thing with Robin happens and they're outside with Janet and Janet's friend Fatima and Janet is like really upset that Kay was caught kissing Kenny and then Fatima's like fucking get over it you did the same thing to me. Yes. Yes, where it's like, you're not the first girl to date Kenny, so. Right, and just like, these girls are allowed to have these messy friendships, and they're still friends, and like, they can do shitty things to each other, but they still have that bond, you know? Yeah, like, Janet isn't painted to be perfect. Right, yeah, and then, you know, she doesn't deserve to have Kenny taken from her, you know, that kind of shit. Right, it's not like Janet's terrible and mean and not really my friend. No, Janet is her friend. Right, and that's the point that Fatima makes eventually is that you should not do that because Janet really loves Kenny. Yeah. Oh, I love when she says that. Mm -hmm. She's very devoted. She really does love him. Yeah. So it's like this acknowledgement from the same girl who just defended her against Janet. You know, it's like, oh, you did the same thing to me. You know, when it's just her and Kay, she's like, well, you know, she really loves him. So maybe don't. (laughs) Like, I didn't also deserve to have that happen to me. So like, maybe don't do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just so good. Also, the scene with Kenny at the very beginning in the warehouse where he sexually touches her in a way that she doesn't want, they end up falling over and it it looks like he tried to rape her, right? Like, that's what Janet thinks. Yeah. Because she does trip and he tries to like grab her shirt to help her from uh, stop falling, but it rips the shirt. Right. And it's very ambiguous because, like, at that point, you don't know that Kenny is enchanted, right? So you're like, oh, this dude just really aggressively tried to make a move on her, right? And Mm -hmm. she runs away because she's so overwhelmed by everything that happened. And in the background, you hear Janet being like, what did you do to her? Yep. So it's not like Janet walked in and saw her in a compromising position and was like, you bitch trying to steal my man. No, her first thing is like, Kenny, what the fuck did you just do she's my friend she doesn't like she's weird but she doesn't react like this yeah yeah. (laughs) janet is there to be like you how did you hurt her you know like it's so good there's later too when janet calls and so she calls her back and she's like oh i i I tripped and she's like is that what happened because like i was yelling at him about i thought like worse happened and she's like oh i didn't think you would believe me (laughs) yeah janet was super there and Kay was like oh did things and it's like no babe your friend still cares about you yeah and janet is like i do believe you i would have believed you and it's just a really nice moment 
Yep. I appreciate it a lot. So good. Which, since we're talking about Janet, Mm -hmm. I did not expect Janet to die. Yeah, I forgot about that too. I kept expecting Corny to die. It's such a bummer. It is. So Janet goes to a rave at one of the burned down buildings on the pier, which happened in 1987. And I've got a bunch of links and y'all can (laughs) check that shit out, which is where like the haunted house burned down and part of the pier burned down. A whole bunch of buildings and businesses burned down. But there's like a club, which I think Galaxia, I have, I wasn't able to find if that was real. Um, so I think that may have been made up. Mm-hmm. But they go to this rave and it's Halloween night. Oh, also, she thought she was going to be taken on Halloween. She was taken on Mischief Night, which is October 30th and is super a Jersey thing. <laughs> but so that she could be sacrificed on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Not almost November 1st. Anyway, so it's Halloween night and Janet is like, yeah, we're going to a rave. And Kay's like, there's a fucking bear out there and (laughs) you need to not do this thing. Which she knows is just like solitary fae and like ogres and trolls fucking shredding people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she goes to the, the rave and she tries to find Janet. And then all of a sudden everyone has to dance. Everyone's fucking enchanted. And it's like such a cool scene. But oh shit, the fucking Kelpie from earlier who helped Robin, who helped... Kay mm-hmm. is there and talks to Janet and uh just she rides on the horse's back into the ocean and he drowns her. Yep. And it's not, oh I know CPR, I can save her. Mm-mm. She tries. Mm-hmm. She's dead. Janet's dead. Yeah. It's really sad. Like, I wish there was more time for Kay to mourn it. Yeah. They they kind of skip that part and then she recounts it afterwards where she's like, oh, I remember being like so drunk with grief that I don't even remember getting home kind of thing. And they describe like, because she was in like a suit and she tried cat suit, purple cat suit. Yeah. Her costumes. <laughs> and she like jumped into the water to try to save her. And so she was shivery, but like, yeah, she just like dissociates the whole fucking thing. And like, that's valid. Yeah. But, you know, the plot moves on and so she has to keep going. Because she got to find Corny because, like, Janet's dead and Corny is missing under the fucking hill. Right. And I I kind of wish she had more time to mourn her because it does feel, I don't want to say inconsequential. It's the one thing that goes too fast. Yeah. I just wish there was more impact to it. Like, obviously, she's sad about it. Like, she tries to save her. Even though we end on the funeral. Yeah. And, (sighs) yeah. So... I'm not a super huge fan of this, but in terms of consequences, they're there. Like, this is what's going to happen if they don't do something about the Fae, right? More people, all of the people you care about, are going to have trouble. Yep. So, I accept, you know, why it's there. I wish it were handled differently. Yeah, like, the fact that not everyone gets out alive is important. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say good, but it's important. Mm-hmm. But I do wish that it had instead been like, I tried to rescue her and I got her breathing again, but I had to leave her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, spends a couple days in the hospital and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like the threat of Janet dying mm-hmm. would have been enough. Yeah. And it matters to me that Janet is a female character and yeah. Kay's a best good friend. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Where the rest of the support characters, like, there are a lot of dudes that survive the Mm -hmm. book. If there had been more female characters, it would bother me a little less. But there aren't. Yeah, I I think they could have just been like, we gotta do something about this because my best friend almost fucking died. Yeah. I would change that. I would definitely change that. Yeah, I. it's so rough because I, I do think that there is something kind of brave about having a named, present in many scenes character die because of something that the heroine does, right? Like, that's 
That's yeah. interesting. Super big consequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's really rough because like it is plot wise fine. Like you said, it is a consequence of her actions. She helped them fuck up the tithe. Your friend is dead. Yeah. But as far as motivation goes, her friend could have been almost killed and we could have gotten the same thing out of it because at the end she's at the funeral and things are weird and Corny has gone a, a little fey, fey mad mm-hmm. and, you know, she's like getting kisses from Robin. And so it kind of makes the romance not cheap, but like I'm so caught up in her friend being dead mm-hmm. that her fey attitude of turning around and being like ah no i don't want this kiss back here i'm gonna have to give it back to you Mm -hmm. is like oh it's so cute but your friend is (laughs) right but you're doing this outside a funeral (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm like that's not great yeah it you know and i i agree with you 100 percent. like the uh, importance that the narrative places on the romance over the friendship is also like yeah yeah so like it's not like the perfect book but it did a really fucking good job with so much of it yeah and like it says something that like i'm over here like but the death was kind of important you know like (laughs) normally i i would be very upset about this sort of thing but i'm like oh but the book is good though and because so many unnamed people did die that like Kay reacted immediately she reacted Mm -hmm. to like oh wow there's a bear but then as soon as it was like riddles she was like this is the solitary fae this is not great it didn't take janet's death to get her to care so like that was good at least it wasn't just like mantivation style yeah yeah for sure all right so corny when he was set up at first i thought he was gonna be a bad guy okay there was so much leaning towards him being like potentially antagonistic that Mm -hmm. when he was just a disaffected youth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, good. I like this so much better. Uh, <laughs> he was such a fun character. I really appreciated and liked him. You know, as we discussed, he's very openly nerdy and gay and like openly gay to his family as well, where it was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. my, my, you know, my parents know, my sister knows that her hanging out with him was only weird when it was like, I'm skipping school and I hung out with your brother. It wasn't like, what are you doing hanging out with my brother? Do you like him? Like, no, nah, there was none of that. Yeah. I just, I really liked his scenes because we got to mm-hmm. see that he was interested in weird supernatural shit. And when it happened, because one of his perspectives is when Kay shows up at his gas station and is like, her skin's fucking flaking because she rolled in a bunch of clover and is like, whoops, mm-hmm. I broke the enchantment on me. <laughs> Which the reason I guessed everything was the queen was because they said it was the most powerful enchantment any of us had seen her friends and i'm like it's the queen (laughs) (laughs) and then when like the dude put it back on her i'm like he's working with the queen (laughs) (laughs) um but anyway so like corny sees it and he like he's having a moment he's like this is fucking weird you know and he's like holy shit you have wings all right we gotta go to my house (laughs) and just he's so normal and i love him and i felt so bad Kay was like i'm gonna go under the hill now i'll be right back and he's like you said you wouldn't leave me (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is a weird world, and he is just human. You left this poor kid alone, and that got him uh, consequences, because he was like, I don't want to be alone up here in a fucking graveyard two days before Halloween. He went into the hill, and that's when the fucking Nephemale, when mm-hmm. the unseely knight working for the Seely Queen, found him and was just like, mm, delicious little toy, I'm going to take you and make you mine. <laughs> and it's like, 
I'm like, yo, I'm pretty sure that some fucking consent violations happened here too. Mm-hmm, like, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is not described as necessarily attractive. Even if, like, I think he's got, like, long black hair, but he's got, like, a literal crown of iron thorns in his head. So, I don't know. He's fucked up. He's got a jacket that's got, like, thorns on the inside that's scratched all over Corny's arms. And I'm like, yeah, this kid definitely was sexually assaulted last night. Like, Mm -hmm. and because it was a fairy, it's in his head, like, no, it was great. And he was wonderful and beautiful and I love him. But then we see him later and he's, like, under his thrall again. And he's being shown these beautiful, amazing fruits, and we get the descriptions of them, and I just fucking love Holly Black, and I hate her all at the same time, because it's so effortless. <laughs> and, because you've, you've read any of my shit, like, mm-hmm. I try, but I am not Holly Black. <laughs> Nobody is. Nobody is. We should all aim to be. But, uh, yeah, so he's, like, eating this food, but he's, like, some of it falls in the dirt, and so he's, like, licking it off the dirt, and, oh, there's ants on this plum, and he doesn't fucking care that it's, like, rotten, and he's just, like, eating it all, and then, like, the dude gives him a cracker, and suddenly he realizes, like, oh my god, what the fuck just happened? So it's, like, this kid has spent, like, three days with his head being fucked with by the fae, and when Kay finally poisons the knight turned on Seely King and Corny like kind of breaks from the spell that's on him. He just picks up mm-hmm. the fucking golden knife and is like madly laughing and stabbing him and stabbing him and stabbing him and stabbing him. And I'm like, oh baby, you're not okay. <laughs> so that's Corny's plot, everyone. Poor gay kid. It's so interesting, right? Because like there's so much about Corny's relationship with this dude that's like so, like, you, the way that you, you said that you interpreted it was that there was some, like, sketchy consent stuff going on and, like, absolutely, you know, fucking fae, right? Like, there's always sketchy consent stuff going on with the fae. Yeah. But, like, my interpretation was that Corny, you know, because Corny is described as being, like, not particularly attractive himself, right? Like, he's this awkward nerd kid. I think they he's say that he has, gangly like... gangly ginger. Yeah, he's ginger. He's got acne. Like, he's not a super attractive dude, so, like, he's not cleaning up, right? Like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Give him, give him till college. Things will calm down and he'll be fine. And give him five years. Let him grow into himself. Yeah, and, like, if he had that chance, right? But, like, now, like, you can feel, like, the loneliness, right? Like, he's probably somebody who only really interacts with people, like, online. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, because he even talks about, like, he doesn't really have friends. Right, and he's very defensive of, like, his his hobbies. And, like, he acutely knows that he's awkward, right? Yeah, there's, like, a couple times where Kay's point of view is, like, there's a challenge in his voice every time he brings up the fact that he's gay. Like, mm? Mm? Yeah, like, and, and, like, I've had, I've clearly had to endure a lot of bullying over this. Yeah. But, like, the idea that, like, he goes to the fairy revel and, like, oh, shit, there's a literal fucking fairy knight who is interested in me and, like, he wants to make out with me and I have to endure thorn scrapes to- Embarrassment? Right. And, and, but, like, specifically in the beginning, it's, like- the the coat of thorns right because Kay sees mm-hmm. him later and he's got all these scratches on him and he he doesn't care because he got some they're like a remember of like oh remember that time when a literal fucking fairy knight thought i was hot and made out with him? right 
It's like this validation for Courtney. Like, I'm an awkward nerd gay kid from Jersey, but like, I can also fuck a fairy knight. And like, it's going to be kinky, but like, I did also (laughs) fuck a fairy knight. So like, that's great for me. But obviously, from there, it goes off the rails, right? Because Nefamel is a piece of shit. And he gets off on humiliating Mm -hmm. Courtney non-consensually. So. And you see in it, too, it really helps show you how different robin is and how much this could have gone so worse for mm-hmm. k because robin this whole time until a certain you know until she's revealed at the tithe thinks that k is just a mortal girl and he's like definitely got the hots for her <laughs> yes yes he does so it, it does a really good job of mirroring it and being like see the difference big difference and that's uh, that's the rub right because like Kay gets her fairy knight and like their relationship is complicated but they you know at the end you know they get to be together right and like mm-hmm. corny the gay guy corny literally has to murder his yeah he gets an abusive relationship like that's his reward and it sucks and i don't it's it's so rough and there's like some dark commentary that he makes too let mm-hmm. me let me see if i flip open because it's right at the end he says Kay, I will never be powerless again, whatever it mm-hmm. takes, whatever. What do you mean? He just squeezed her hand tighter. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> well, we've got two more books. Right? Like, that sounds like some supervillain shit. Like, what's going to happen to Corny from here? Right? Like, I'm still not sure that my initial take on him about being a potential antagonist is not correct. <laughs> Yeah, it's so rough again, right? Because, like, obviously, Corny is a super early, like, gay YA character. He's yeah. super, he's got a lot of depth. He's complex. Like, his relationship and his arc are super complex. He's a full human being to me. Yes, yes. So it doesn't feel necessarily superficial or cheap. It's an arc for him. Like, it goes full circle. Like, because in the beginning, Corny is, is very much like, oh, this fantastical thing is happening to you. I have to be a part of it. Like, this is something that I've dreamed of my whole life and it's right here in front of me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't want people to call me crazy when I'm telling Mm -hmm. them about the shit that I saw. I want to know that it was real. It got too real. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like this very relatable, in my opinion, like need for something more, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's this fantastical thing and I could theoretically be a part of it. I would absolutely be corny. Yeah, right. And then it blows up in his face. Yeah. Which is the more realistic version of how it would go for a human. Yeah. So it's like thematically it totally works. The conclusion that Corny comes to at the end where he's like, I can't be powerless again. Like this obviously changed him and set him off on a path that's going to change his life forever. Yeah. But also like you can't ignore the fact that like the hetero couple gets a pretty good deal and the gay couple is terrible. Yeah, it's a it's a lot to take. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So you wanted to talk about Kay and Robin. Yes. So it's been a long time since I've legitimately shipped something. But man, <laughs> it's nice to be invested in a fucking relationship again. I super appreciate that, like, while they were both instantly infatuated with the other one, that there was a Mm -hmm. lot for them to overcome. That it wasn't like, I'm instantly in love with you. It was, fuck, why do I keep thinking about you? Oh, God, I hate this. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. You know, they they had a lot of the book to spend time together and develop a relationship and a rapport. Yeah, I like that they get multiple scenes alone. I like that she, you know, I saw your room, you get to see mine. Like, mm-hmm. that they fight over things. That she's like, you can't do that. Like, he enchants her grandmother when, like, they both come in and, sh- and it's right after Janet has died. And she's like basically in undies because like they had to peel off the fucking cat suit because <laughs> mm-hmm. it was too cold on her and he's just like nope grandma <laughs> <laughs> she's like you can't just do that like they fight and they try to help each other like she's like why aren't you just gone he's like well i want to be here and she's like oh so like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> the revelations that they care about each other are a big deal and it's not just that they care about each other it's that they like you said, they want to help each other, right? Like after, you know, Robin meets her and she pulls a branch out of his chest and she saves his life and that's obviously unexpected and she didn't have to do it, but she was an empathetic human girl, so she did it, right? And then after she's chosen to be the tithe, you know, Robin is like, can it be literally anybody else? Because like, I like that one. Yeah. And then after he's like, oh, you were the fucking pixie, you were green, you knew you were a fairy. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't when I met you. And so he's like trying to like wrap his head around like, did she pull that out to trick me? Yeah. Did you do it to get my name? She's like, I didn't know what you would give me. <laughs> it just helped you. Right. And it's that expectation from Robin, right? Because like all fae are manipulative. So of course he expects her to have like an agenda for helping him and, and for getting his name out of him. And the fact that she doesn't, that she like actually cares about people is a surprise to him and like something that feels sincere in like a reason that he would care about her, you know? I love that it shows that fae are not by nature non-empathetic. The like she was raised human and so she learned human values. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I really I really liked it. I feel like Holly Black did a good job with this YA romance. Yes, agreed. All right, so there are two more things I wanted to mention briefly. Okay. So I loved that she saw the real quote unquote K. Mm-hmm. And like that she was still in the court of the the Sealy. Uh, I loved that she was still a kid and it's like, oh yeah, no, I've just always been here. And it's like, yeah, these kids get taken. She was taken. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm really glad we got to see little K. That was a fun moment and something that I've never seen done before. Cause usually if like it's a changeling, they'll be like the same age or something. And I'm like, I really mm-hmm. appreciate that no, time moves differently here. Um and the other is a content warning that Especially in the beginning when Kay is meeting Kenny and some of the other guys, there is a bunch of uh, racism about Asian people from the kids, it's particularly Japanese people. Mm-hmm. That was another part where when I like, I'm like, sexual assault and racism against Japanese people. What am I reading? That's really interesting, though, right? Because like, obviously, Holly Black, as far as as far as I know, is a, a white lady and Kay is half Japanese. Um, There's some line about how her mother had sex with a a Japanese rock musician, I think. Yeah, some kind of glam rocker. (laughs) Yeah, and that's who Kay's dad was. And the fact that they actually acknowledge the racism that Kay faces, like, she has a line about how, like, or, or Janet has a line about how she's so jealous of Kay because she's so effortlessly exotic. And Kay's like, 
that means that white guys exoticize me and that sucks. And the thing that the boys in the warehouse say to her, like, they make, like, super racist remarks to her. And Kay is like, this is the kind of shit that I have to deal with on a regular basis, like, as a biracial Japanese girl. Not only am I the weird girl, I'm also biracial. Right. It's just something that, like, there was, like, this trope of having somebody be biracial, but only aesthetically and it never came into play it never caused them any trouble right and like i definitely want people to not have any fucking trouble for their race but like especially in this time period it's like that doesn't happen right and and to like have this book in 2002 like acknowledge that k as a biracial japanese girl faces like these shitty white dudes who want her to be like specifically japanese and like one of the dudes asked her to like do something with her hair and she's like i'm not gonna do that Yeah, and acknowledging that Kay has to face that. Like, I appreciated that. Yeah, it is a warning. It's only at the beginning, and it does get called out, but it is there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else you have to say about Tithe before we wrap up? Earlier today, I realized someone had pitched this book to me, and I turned down reading it because whatever way they pitched it didn't sound interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I started to realize as I got through the last of it, I was like, oh, I remember someone telling me about this book. And I can't remember <laughs> specifics of it, but I'm really glad that I did read it with you. Yes. It was such an easy read. It was. I'm super looking forward to reading more Holly Black. Me too. Would you recommend this? Yeah. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I feel like it's still relevant even almost 20 years later. Absolutely. Because of it being modern enough, like, it is so mm-hmm. funny where it's like, we only have the one line, Kay, so if you gotta call your your mom, call her now so I can hop on the internet. I'm like, la 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 la. I remember the <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s. So it is solidly in its time period, mm-hmm. but if you were either alive then or you don't mind a little vintage stuff, like, it's not so mm-hmm. old. No, no. Yeah. Probably a majority of the people who did or will read this will see themselves in these characters somewhere, even if it's just like, oh, yeah, I live in a normal fucking town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I appreciate that as well. Yep. All right. Well, I'm Molly. You can find me on Twitter at Olivia Hennis, and you can follow the podcast at Backlist Podcast, also on Twitter. I'm Zena at Endless underscore Run on Twitter. You can also find us on Patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill. And uh, we have to welcome our latest patron. Oh, we have a new patron. It's um Crowletto. Crowletto. That's how I pronounce it because I pronounce it like stiletto. If I'm wrong, okay. friend, I'm sorry. But thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us. Next time we'll talk about Valiant in Season 7, Episode 2. Yes. Looking forward to it. Bye. Bye.